Welcome to week two with John Williams on Service from Hell. If you haven't listened to part one yet, what are you doing? Go back. You already know how this works. And if you have, thank you so much for listening. We're going to just keep it moving. Let's get on with the show. We are back and now it is time to move on to the entrees. Okay. Now, this is this this is the round of questions. You can tell stories with this, but it there's like a set. So, what was your first job ever where the government was taking taxes out of your salary? I was 15 years old. Okay. It was a seafood restaurant on the edge of my town. Okay. Uh, mostly lobster. I was a dishwasher and there was two of us and the head chef was a, like a 28-year-old guy and the other dishwasher was also 15. I worked there for two weeks, and the, the 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 chef was crazy. He would throw baked potatoes at us when we were looking, and we get hit in the head. No. And I went and had a conversation with my dad. I'm like, I can't I'm do not this. Staying there. This is he 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 would he wouldn't do it to me, but he would he would open a can of sauce or whatever, and he would throw the jagged lid at no. his brother. Oh, that dude's a sociopath. That's at, crazy. At his brother. No, no. Super crazy. And yeah. uh, I was like, yeah, I, I explained that to my folks, and they're like, all right, that's. You're not, we're not going to do that. And then my dad was friends with a guy who worked at the Exxon station. And he said, my son's going to be 16 in August. Because I was working, I guess, under the table, now that I think about it, mm-hmm. at the restaurant. Uh, anyway, Woody Schaefer uh, owned the Exxon station in the middle of the highway between the between the lanes. And I worked there till my 18th birthday when I got the job working in the movie theater. And uh, that was, it was fine. It was an okay job. It was, you know, in New Jersey still, you pump your own gas. That's right. I forgot I think a lot about of people that. don't know that. Yeah. But, but for a long time, New Jersey and Oregon were the holdouts where there was no self-service. You had to have somebody pump your gas for you. And it's a, I, I'm not sure why that is in New Jersey still, except that it's a holdout to not surrendering jobs to, to automation or like, the fact that people could pump their own gas, sort of like cash out their own target order. Wow. Right? It's a, it, the, the New Jersey government just was like, we're not doing that. We're That's kind of cool. I didn't know that was people why. pump their own gas because it's, we're giving away jobs. Wow. And it's just never gone away. Wow. And every, I guess every time it comes up for a vote in the state Senate, they're it, like, it's no, we're down keep- because it's like, yo, this is a Jersey thing and y'all can go fuck yourself. And that feels very Jersey energy wise. It, it does for sure. You know, it's very funny because I'm from New Jersey, but I'm a very, I'm from a very rural area of New Jersey, but I still carry a lot of Jersey traits. So I'm a country kid, Yeah. but it's not like I'm from Newark or Hoboken. Uh, you know, I'm from a, a little town called Milton, which is in Jefferson Township. And when we moved there, when I was a little kid, when I, I think in 1964, uh, I think there was only like, to less than 2,000 people in the town. And there was, the, the high school opened the year we moved there. And there was no supermarket when we moved there. And then they built a supermarket right after we we moved. And it was a little small A&P. Okay, so your, first, so your very first job though, you were a seafood restaurant dishwasher yeah. at 15. Okay. And, and it's, I hate seafood. I hate the smell <laughs> of seafood. Worst oh my choice God. ever. <laughs> okay. So how many customer service jobs have you had? So now we've said the seafood restaurant is one, ExxonMobil two. Every single one. That, AMC except, Theater. Every single job I've had except one, aside from acting stuff, was customer service. I had a job for a short time working for Toshiba, loading and unloading copy machines off of a truck. You know, if you messed up an order, it affected them, but nobody's yelling at you directly. Okay, so we have the seafood restaurant, we have the ExxonMobil station, AMC Theater, Hard Rock Cafe. TJ Friday. TJ Friday. Oh, Jesus. Okay. And I worked selling rainbow rainbow vacuums when I was 19, door to door. That was brutal. I did that for a very short time. <laughs> Why was that brutal? It was It was especially brutal for me because I was 19 and I looked like I was 15. You're knocking on the door and I'm like, howdy folks, would you like to buy this? You know, and they're like, uh, what are you, uh, shouldn't you be in school? <laughs> and you're like, shut the fuck up, I'm 19. It was, well, listen, but you know, so at that time, like, I desperately didn't want to be gay, mm. right? So I was dating women, but I also looked like I was 15. So you know how hard it is to date a 19 year old girl or boy when you look like you're 15? Like, it, it was, that, the, the whole thing was challenging. Okay, so one, two, three, four, five, six. So six, because the selling vacuums door to door and Fridays, that's it for customer service, right? Those uh, six jobs? Let's go them. I worked at Beefsteak Charlie's for one day. <laughs> it's the only job I ever got fired from. Amazing. Okay, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Hold on. Okay, so Beefsteak Charlie's, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, what was after Beefsteak Charlie's? I got, I, oh, I worked for a fragrance company. Was that customer service? No. 
And then I worked for Lowe's Theaters. I went from AMC to Lowe's. Okay. And then back to AMC a very short time later. Okay. When a- when a- so when AMC found out that I went into management for Lowe's, they were like, oh, we need you back over there. Nice. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Anything roughly, else? I'll roughly eight? Probably, yeah. Okay, eight customer service. Now, I think acting is customer service on some level. Well, I mean, if you look at Twitter, it certainly is a customer service because there are a lot of people who are not fucking happy with how some people do their acting jobs. That's right. And they but, and their they, jobs but, are decided by those people, too. They don't get to tell them to their face, you know? Yeah, that's right. Which was your favorite job of all the customer service jobs oh, you've had? Well, I mean, that's obvious. I've worked for the Hard Rock for 27 years. Okay. And least favorite? It's a tie between the rainbow vacuum and the and the dishwasher job. Okay. And, and, and the di- dishwashing as, a, as an entity like is not a great job in general. It's a fine yeah. job for a young person just entering the wa- workforce. But that particular job was awful. I mean, it was ter- it, it, someone's throwing shit at you. Like, yeah, no it, it physical was, assault. It was, it was super terrible, and it smelled awful. And, and I was just not. Developmentally, I was so behind the arc of all of my friends. Why do you think that that, because you've mentioned that a few times, why do you think that that was such a, like a hindrance looking young? It wasn't well. So curiously, right? So when I was, I was AMC when I was working for AMC, I was at 24. I was the youngest general manager in the company and the only one who didn't have a four-year degree in college. The guests sometimes, if they didn't like what I was telling them, they're like, "Where's your boss?" I'm like, "I am, I am the, boss. the boss." And it would be a little bit of a battle sometimes. You that know? gets old. And I'm the, also the guy who tr- tries very hard to make sure that I have my staff's back. Mm-hmm. If, if if I'm confident, if I when you have employees, when people work for you, and you know who they are, like intimately, mm-hmm. like, and you know that they're that a certain behavior is just not going to come out of that person. When a guest tries to tell you that that is going to be that that was the case, you you almost want to call them a liar. Yeah, you don't right. because you don't want to exacerbate the situation. But you find creative ways to say like, you know, I've no, that young lady's worked for me for three years, and I've never seen that kind of behavior ever. You know, that you have to respond with that kind of thing. You know, you have to choose your words wisely because I'm not ever going to throw somebody under the bus who who never exhibits those behaviors. Now, of course, I do have had employees in my life who worked for me who were could get hot and not control themselves, you know. And then in those cases, you have to be like, okay, what happened here? Because I have to go talk to these people. What happened exactly? What did you say? Because I know, like in, in your head, you're like... I know who this person is, and I know that it's possible that they did something wrong. So I got to go make this better for everybody involved. But that doesn't happen very often. I've said that a lot on the podcast, and I've I've said it recently that you know if you protect your reputation, that can carry you through on a day where you maybe are normally so over the top nice to people, and you just have one bad day. Management is likely to be on your side because they think this person's never out of their mind. What's this about? And that's so that's completely true. And and uh, there there are I'm sure there are people who have snapped on a guest who have worked for me who I still to this day don't believe that they ever did that. Yeah. Because they're always, they always handle their stress so well. But sometimes, you know, I mean, anybody who listening to this podcast probably knows that a third to, to half of the human race, at least Americans, are awful people. It's mm. amazing to me. I, 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 that has exposed itself in the last nine, ten years that I just didn't see it coming. I thought most people were like me that just would try to be empathetic and help other human, human beings. And, and it's just not it's just not the way that it is it's it and it's that's very sad for me give me an example of a story where you were like disappointed like in that way Two, no, 3 days ago I was walking through the supermarket parking lot and somebody parked a, a shopping cart in the middle of the handicapped parking spot jesus christ right and then the curious part to me is that then somebody on my facebook feed after i, I took a picture of it and so like listen you, we have to be better kind of thing and somebody was like well you know handicapped people like the when some when you leave a, a shopping cart for them near that i'm like yeah but not in the way of the car yeah. Like, how do you, def- you can't defend this. You can't defend this away. How do you bolster the energy to keep working in customer service after all of these years when you have so many examples of that kind of behavior? I love people. In spite of the third of the population being shitty. Yeah, because I, because I, one, I can parse who the assholes are and who are not, and even in my job. So one of the reasons I agreed to become a manager is because I was sort of forced into being a, into a supervisor when all the managers quit and they didn't have anybody to work gm the agm and the and the chef all quit on the same day why two of them with no notice holy shit why because it was just an ugly situation and people and above the cafe level weren't handling their business 
and that's all I'm going to say about that. I'm not condemning anybody. It just, it was just, uh, so it was summertime in a tourist restaurant. This was pre-COVID. And no, yeah, pre-COVID. And okay. no managers. Woo-hoo. I mean, not, we didn't have no managers, but there were very few. Yeah. So literally, they're like, here's a swipe. You got to help us. And, and the other managers didn't like dealing with customer complaints. So I was the guy... Hand, and I'm really good at that. Like I can just really Def- deflate. Come, or I can like, take the the steam off of people. I'm like, all right, I really, I'm very sorry about that. And people believe me because I am. If something bad happens, because listen, when you work in customer, this is this is this is a pet peeve of mine. If you come to work in a restaurant and want to be tipped, you have to care about the experience. If you're just going to do it because you think you're going to make money, but you don't care that the people are having a good experience that you don't engage them you don't make eye contact you just drop off the soda and leave you don't deserve a 20 percent. that's right you deserve the 10 percent. that's get. right and it's really fascinating to me and, and i'm so fortunate now because all the people who came back after covid they're all rock stars really it's a lovely experience to go to work but pre-covid 30 percent of our staff didn't just give it didn't care you know and that's that's not specific to where i work now that's specific to every restaurant and probably worse in other restaurants that's right right people who work for the hard rock are very loyal and they love the job and you know more than most restaurants but still we had a third of the people on the on the service floor that just they did they just thought they deserved 20 percent for showing up and you know once you have them it's hard to get rid of them especially in california because mm-hmm. of the labor laws the labor laws and stuff and listen i'm not i'm an advocate for for people having their job protection so i'm not complaining about the labor laws because you have to be able to protect against bad managers because there are bad managers who exploit a situation and make somebody feel diminished or sexually harassed or biased against them and there have to be protections in place for that i absolutely think that's important so this is going to sound weird but i have a richard branson mentality on some level i don't care about the guest experience that's not completely true what i care about is is that my staff are being taken care of to the point where they care about the guest experience now i'm always reinforcing that because i do really care about the guest experience but there's a, a link right between me and the guest it's the staff people right so if i can make them buy into actually caring about the guest experience one the guest feedback to the company electronically or otherwise is going to be better they're going to get tipped better and we're going to have more customers coming in the door it's all win so i advocate for my people and i want them to advocate for the guest and when i came to being a manager after i made that decision so to step back after that experience of supervising for that summer and it was really awful and i was sort of being pushed out of the bar because it's really a dark bar and I can't see very well anymore and it was really challenging. I'd make mistakes closing credit cards and stuff and I just don't want to do that anymore. I just had to make a decision and my at that point I also knew my acting career was over so it was, it was just time and then this the, all the managers quit so the job was presenting Jesus itself Christ. to me. And But the thing, the only reason, and managed, every general manager that I ever worked for except for one has like, we need you to be a manager. And I, I've had 25 managers in 27 years. 25 general managers and every single one of them except for one has said i want you to be a manager and i'm like no i don't want to do that and the answer always was i want to be closer to the guest i know people from all over the world i can go i can make a facebook message right now to a guy living in ushuaia argentina and say hey i'm going to come hang out and he'll say you can sleep in my extra room i have friends who live in manchester england who i talk to on a regular basis and they keep inviting me to go live in stay in their in their extra room I have friends in Poland, in Japan, in in Africa. I know people all over the globe because of the hard rock, because I engage people, I like people, and I want to know them. And the experience of being a hard rock person, because it's such an international environment, I'm self-taught in Spanish. I'm almost fluent in Spanish. I am conversational about food in Portuguese. I can help people in Italian, French. I can help a little bit in Japanese, too. Um, and I even speak a little Bengali, which is a crazy thing. Right, wow. almost nobody in this country speaks Bengali. It's the national language of Bangladesh, except for the people who are from there. Sure, but everyone and it's a very poor country, so there's very few tourists from from Bangladesh. But when they sit down and they say, and I say, "Hey guys, you're on vacation. Where are you from?" And they're like, "We're from Bangladesh." And I'll say, "Kamanacho, how are you?" They're amazed that any person in America who's not from Bangladesh would know how to say, "How are you?" That bridge that I build with all of my guests. I was concerned, but as a supervisor, which I was basically a manager without the paycheck, I still could connect to the guests mm. in a way. And m- moreover, as a bartender, 
at any given time, I was only connecting with 20 to 24 people. But now as a supervisor, I can, and a manager, I can bounce from table to table to table. And here's the thing that's really awesome about this, right? All of my employees, every single one that work on the service floor, that are servers, they have mentioned to me at least once that all of them have said to me, when you're on the floor and you engage my guests, I make more money. And that's what I was referring to earlier. Why I do love people and I want to interact with them, right? Part of my interaction is to make sure people are having a good time and they, I find ways to be connective with them. Mm-hmm. And so if somebody says, hey, I'm, I'm from Santiago, Chile, I said, oh, I did an opening in Puerto Rico with the, the head server from the Santiago Cafe. If you, ever, if you ever get in there, ask for Chalo. And they're like, I will. And then I'll get a Facebook message or a text from Chalo saying, these, with a picture of the people. And like, do you remember these people? Yeah, of course I sent them to you. I work to make the world a smaller place. The, the, the hard rock is just the pathway to do that. And it was all a happy accident, to be honest with you. So what is the weirdest thing that you've been asked to do whilst on the clock? I, 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 nothing comes to mind. Yeah, nothing. Nothing weird? Okay, no. even as bartender, no weird drinks or anything? Oh, uh, eh. It's Not really. a drink. Do you mind the blenders? So at the moment, we don't have blenders. Oh, what a gift. That's going to go away at some point. We're going to have blenders back. But I don't mind I don't mind making blended drinks. I, what bothered, as a bartender, what bothered me is when the choices of the blended drinks were not the best for the guest. Recipe is so important and, and also sticking to recipe. Right? So many bartenders sort of free will it. They get into this is not a hard rock thing. This is just a universal. It's an arrogant bartender thing. thing. You, you you learn the company recipe, whatever it is, and then you do whatever the hell you this, want. This, I experienced this at TJ Fridays as well, not as a bartender but as a server. The bartender would just, and then the customer would complain about the drink after, and I'm the conduit from the yeah. bartender to to the guest. And you found out they didn't make it according to the recipe. Yeah, and and so recipe is so important. It's hard to get. Yeah. And listen, I was a bartender forever. Arrogant. I was definitely arrogant as yeah. a bartender for sure but i also backed up my arrogance because people loved my cocktails so i was really good with hard rock recipe but also people were like make me something special and i would say tell me what your flavor profile is what do you love what do you hate and then often many times i would cast make a drink that i only made one single time or twice two in a row you know like a repeat yeah. the, but often when i would make a drink one of those special cocktails for people they would say all right make me something different because they loved the first one so much. So, happy accident. We had a drink at, at Hard Rock called uh, Southern Rock. And it's supposed to be made with sour mix. And it's like an LIT, but it's a little bit more fruity. And somebody put the juice bottles in the wrong spot. And instead of picking up the sour mix, I picked up the pineapple juice. And it was for two of my regulars who ended up loving, loving that what you version made. behind the bar. I'm known as Mache. And so, all the that, that, that couple would start calling that the matcha drink and still now well not in the universal clothes but even after you a year after i left universal to go to the boulevard i would get text texts from bartenders still at universal saying hey what's in the matcha how do i make them i love it and but that's because you have to care it's not about the recipe it's about caring that they like what you make right finding the recipe that matches the guest is the goal because what i make for jen you might not like and it never bothered you when people, because I've other people have been on the podcast who have said, I hate when people say whatever you want or pick something out for me or whatever. That never bothered you? No, because that's how I make money. Hello. So Yeah, that's and, real. And Justin Pennison Moose was the same way, right? You know him very well, yeah, yeah. right? The, 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 the guests come up and they'd be like, I, I don't know what I want. Uh, I'm in the mood for something like this, mm-hmm. right? And then go back to that formula that i said a few minutes ago what do you like what do you hate what what's, are my options what, on the table? what are you interested in that you've never had before and what's great is that if you have enough bottles if you equip your bar with enough flavors yeah you can create endless opportunities to make drinks for people and i have i have a, a couple from england that every october they come to see me just That's lovely make, for me to make drinks for them and now when they come I'll step behind the bar and make drinks for them. Will you really? Yeah, of course. Oh, that's sweet. I don't know if you'll have an answer for this, but what's an incident that ever made a customer ask to speak to your manager before you were a manager or any manager? All right, I'm a little embarrassed by this. I use a lot of comedy with my guests. I crack jokes, but every once in a while, you'll say the wrong thing or you say a joke that was not right. So there was a couple and they were having a super great time and the woman insisted on paying. And... It wasn't even my initially my guest. It was Justin's guest, but he stepped away from the bar. 
and I was taking care of them. And she asked to pay the check. And uh, I looked at her, I said, well, I hope, and I, I kind of glanced at the guy and I said, I hope you're getting lucky tonight. And it turned out that it was father daughter. And they got, re- now most people just laugh that off. Oh, that's my, that's my daughter. Yeah. Right. Or whatever. Right. Yeah. But they got really mad because it hit them wrong. And listen, that happens. Right. Yeah. And, so, and there's risk and reward when you when you tell jokes at a bar. Right. As a bartender. Right. All right. So let's let's go to core values. Right. This is I got some of this from Justin, but you have to you have to be competent as a as a as an employee. You have to communicate. You have to care. That's where you start. Right. But. That's your foundation, but then you build on that by whatever your skill set is. Mm-hmm. My skill set is making amazing drinks and telling jokes, making people laugh, and it's all in the moment, snappy stuff. It's not like a, 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 a rabbi and a priest walking to a bar. Yeah, it's not my jokes. My right. jokes are very what's happening right in front of me. I'm that way too. Yeah, right. But when that when you're doing that, you're always riding this edge of like, am I crossing this line of where it's a little too dirty or it's a little too a little too whatever yeah am i just going too far and everyone every once in a while you hit that and with that couple i did that and i had to go get justin and let me tell you something i have never seen a human being so mad in my whole life as justin pennison was mad at me about that i think he's still mad at me about about and it's eight years ago wait why would he be mad at you about that because i I screwed up a guest experience that he started that was going really well oh and he's allowed to be mad about it Right, I took a gamble to try and be funny and have fun as we were closing out the check. Like, and I was I was hoping to get a ha ha ha. Yeah, I'm gonna get lucky with my girl, but it was actually his daughter. And but you like couldn't have known that. I don't know. Well, yes, but if they're my guests and they sit down and I'm taking care of them and I've developed the relationship, I can I should be able to take that risk, and I can recover it. Yeah. Right. But if it's not my guest. There's a lesson there for me, right? and I <laughs> yeah. learned the lesson, right? Yeah. If you're dealing with somebody else's guest, you have to make you have to you don't know them as well as this other person. That's fair enough. You and, haven't and, started the rapport. And you, have to, you have to you just have to pull your edge back a little bit because you don't want to do what I did, which was offend some people. And I've spent my life for real. I spent my life trying to build a customer base that would come back and have a good time. You know, I mean, <laughs> Hard Rock. I mean, let's be real. The Hard Rock is a transient place. Most people are tourists, right? Yeah. But Justin Pennison and I and some other people were there forever and we we knew how to make it a transient bar feel like a corner bar, feel like it was cheers. Mm, that's fun. And I'll tell you a story. We had a brand new general manager and his very first day, he worked a mid-shift. He came into 11. He wanted to see like how the AM and the PM sort of operated. Me and the other two PM bartenders were on and we had 24 seats around that bar. I came, I said, hey, I want you to come meet some people. And he thought he was going to meet like one or two people. And I walked him around the bar and 20 of the 24 people who were sitting at that bar were regulars who came at least once a week. And they just happened to be all there at the same time. And I said, this is Jen and Pete and that's Carrie and Chris. Sure. And, and he was like, that's amazing. Because he'd been with the Hard Rock for a long time or whatever and he never experienced that with other bartenders. And he saw the value in that. So getting back to the management, you have to under, you have to have the vision to see who's valuable, who creates sales for you, who creates return guests. And those are the people you have to reward. So in that incident with the father-daughter, sure. did they ask to speak to a manager then? Uh, I was doing everything I could not to, so I went and got Justin. Oh, so Justin became the intermediary between yes. the... He was the, okay. he was the senior bar supervisor there anyway, so... Okay, so you've never... You have no incident, though, where people... Someone directly said, I need to speak to the manager right now. No, I'm... I, That's not your I'm personality. I'm exceedingly good at recovering a guest if I if I make a mistake. Sure. But I'm even better at it if somebody else, else makes does. a mistake. Because I can figure out a way to get them to understand that even if it appears that that staff person doesn't care that I do. I yeah. actually really do care. Yeah. Right? And... For people who don't know, there's core values that the Hard Rock has, and they've espoused them since 1971. Love all, serve all. Take time to be kind. Save the planet, and all is one. And I have completely embraced and believe in those things, and they've influenced my life in how I treat guests in the restaurant and how I treat other people outside of the restaurant. What is the, did you have a last straw that got you out of any of these customer service jobs? I know you said you worked at Beefsteak Charlie's for a day, but you were fired. I was fired because so, I didn't know what a surf and turf was. Okay, we'll get to that. But I had but, never served before. That was right, first. so how would you know? But was there ever a last straw that made you quit or leave a job? No, everything I do is tactical. I, I'm not I'm not the kind of guy who's like, fuck this place, I'm leaving. I'm just not that guy. Okay. Um, I have been close a few times in my life, but I've never actually pulled the trigger. What's gotten you close? 
I worked at a, a TJ Friday's that was a franchise owned by the and I'm not afraid to say it. You can go fuck yourself. <laughs> I worked at a TJ Friday's that was only open Monday to Friday and it closed at 6 p.m. every night except Friday. And the back behind the kitchen was open dirt from mm -hmm. the building and there were rats running around Jesus and giant Christ. cockroaches and they treated everybody awfully the whole place. And in a very short time, I was actually a trainer at TJ Fridays. And then the whole time, I was trying to get to either Planet Hollywood or the Hard Rock. And I was fortunate to actually end up at the Hard Rock. But, you know, I'm, I'm never the guy to, like, I'm going to throw caution to the wind and I don't care about how I pay my bills. I'm, but what was the thing that, so you said that there were... Oh, just, just how they treated you. And it wasn't one thing. It was just their whole operation, just how they did their business. If you are in New York City and it says on a little sign in the window you should just avoid the fuck out of that restaurant can you give us anything specific yeah, like like a, rats running around the restaurant but like in the restaurant yes or? in the restaurant and when you say how they treated you what does that mean like oh just just complete total disregard for anything that had to do with humanity i assume this is a no but have you ever told a customer to fuck off i haven't told a customer to fuck off i have told people who were trying to be customers who were behaving inappropriately or not holding up their end of the bargain and like listen you got to go you can't be here you know at, and at some point you're like get the fuck out of this building or we're gonna have a problem are you comfortable telling a story about that uh well most of the most of it has to do with people who are unfortunately I, you know i'm not gonna talk about that how many bodily fluids have been on your person whilst you were on the clock mm -hmm. uh, i worked a shift president's day weekend and they forgot to schedule the proper number of bartenders for Sunday night where Monday is a holiday. And so there was one mid, which is me coming at two, and one closer, Lisa. And she and I, I stepped behind the bar at 2 p.m. And I never left from behind the bar, not even to go out to the bar tables, for 12 hours. I have occasionally peed myself behind the bar. Not just a little like, you know. Yeah. yeah. Just to get the pressure off till you can get out of the bar. That's how dedicated to the job you are. I would have told everybody, sorry, I have to leave from behind the bar for a second. Well, I mean, so sometimes the pressure is so crazy. That you can't help it. When it's so like high volume. That's so dedicated, John. I, I, it's not dedicated. It's just I'm, I'm trying to make a living. I have a teammate or teammates that mm -hmm. are depending on me, right? And not always, but most of the time, if I'm on a shift as a bartender, I'm the strongest person behind the bar. And I mean, even I'm 59 years old and I can step behind a bar and I'm a machine. Mm -hmm. Like I can sell and make money. And listen, if I could do that and have health insurance, I wouldn't be a manager, but it's hard to do that. And, you know, and COVID has turned that whole thing upside down. So have you had any other bodily fluids on you besides your pee? Uh, and blood. You've had blood from oh, cutting, yeah. slicing fruit and stuff? Yeah, I, 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 I've, I've actually, the mats slipped and I fell backwards <laughs> Ooh. at Universal and I fell onto the rail and the very last bottle pierced my neck. <sighs> Ooh, John, you could have died. Uh, I, yeah, it was actually pretty close to my juggler, actually, but um, it was more to the side. Than Holy shit. But it was a little, it was a little scary. And the way I fell, like I was, like the whole restaurant kind of stopped. Because they heard it. Yeah. And so what happened? Did you, they call the EMTs? No, no. I just got up. They put a, we put a band on and I went back to work. Okay. I'm a man. Uh, uh, okay, John. Okay. Uh, <laughs> do you tip? What? Do you tip? Do I tip? Yeah. Yes. How much? I tip Hard Rock style. Which is like 50%. At least. Jesus Christ. So if Hard Rock bartenders go out together yeah. and go someplace. You're about to bless we, everybody. Which, which occasionally we do. Yeah. If the check is $150, we'll leave $150. That's tip. so crazy. Yeah. Just. Blessing everybody. Yeah. But it, we know how. As, and, and if they're working hard. Yeah. More likely to get a, a more. Y'all need to come to the next place I work. <laughs> and that's, that's me. That's Moose. That's Tina. That's Lou. That's Will. Kim. All those people are yeah. not afraid to throw their money down for people who are working hard. That's so great. But those are my people, and they'll be my people till I die. Do you ever not tip? No. Never. Worst case scenario, leave $15, 15%. But literally, what if someone is openly disrespectful to you? Still 15%. Oof, really? Yep. What if they say, like, homophobic slurs? 15%. Jesus, really, John? Yep. Wow. Okay. Do you tip like Uber drivers, Lyft drivers? Yep. Oh, everybody. Everybody. Yep. Everybody getting blessed. What about at the coffee uh, coffee shop? 
I've never been, I've never had a cup of coffee in my life. I didn't think so. When I was 13 years old, my mom got her gallbladder out. This is in the mid seventies when he would open you up like a, a fish yeah. to take out the guts. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad took us to see her the next day. And the doctor walks in and I grabbed him, literally grabbed him by the white vet, white coat. I was like, doctor, why is this happening? He looked me straight in the eye and he said, because your mom drinks too much coffee and he walked away. Immediately at that moment, I was like, I am never having coffee. And by the time I was old enough to realize that he was fucking with me, Thank God. I had never had coffee. I was, and, I was too late. Yeah, and, you, there's a I, threshold. And I'm so glad that I missed it because y'all are zombies. Oh, shut up. We are not. Don't you, no, don't do this, no, Sean. No, I'm doing it because <laughs> you go to Vegas, right? I'll just, let's, let, let's put it on Vegas where gambling is king, right? Yeah. And there's a 30-person line for the Starbucks while the slot machines are being ignored. You know okay. people are flipping this is, zombies. This is only because you're gonna, a gambler. When they're going to they're gonna pay double in a casino for the Starbucks. Don't judge us. You, uh, no, we, I am so judging. You I guys can't. are... It's, it's amazing to me. I'm so sorry, all of the coffee drinkers, which is every normal person listening to this podcast right now. now I'm really it sorry. Is, it is Caffeine is the most consumed drug on the planet. That's good. It's um, a good now, drug. Now, what's interesting about that, right, is that coffee sales, at least in the environment that I work in, we, we, we make, sometimes we don't make coffee for days. People don't order it. Yeah, they order booze, though. Yeah. So, I mean. But, but they don't order coffee because well, it's not Starbucks. But we did try and do crazy, fancy, like, Starbucks-like drinks. Nobody bought in. Yeah, because if you, you have to sort of be known for that. That is actually what saved McDonald's as a corporation was their coffee, but that's a separate conversation. Okay, have you ever been stiffed as a bartender or server? <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Why? Now, what made you laugh in that question, John? Well, because it's, I mean, that's a silly question and that happens a lot. But People don't know that it happens a lot, though. But, well, here, but here's the thing about it, right? So early in my serving career, I'm like, those people were so cool and I, I thought they liked me and whatever, right? Now, I, so one, so when I would work with Justin and I noticed if there was a pile of money on the bar top, he would just scoop it up and throw it in the tip cup. And I was like, don't you, don't you care what they tipped you? Like how much to know? He's like, nope, but don't care because I don't want to hate them or something like that. Yeah, sure. He doesn't uh, want to be affected negatively I, I, by I it. I don't want to be, and, and also he doesn't want that guest experience to influence his next guest. And I picked that up right away. Wow, that's a great tip, I actually. Immediately, like obviously closing credit cards, you know, didn't count the tip, cash tips ever. Just throw, wow. them, just throw them in the bucket at the end of the night. When you walk with 400 bucks, you're like, fuck yeah, we did what we were supposed to do. But last week we had a guest come in. They had a, a like a rehearsal party, party pay situation. It was just an hourly. There was no tip included. The groom at the end said, hey, are these guys getting tipped? And, and I said, I'm sorry, no. And he said, can you set up a way I can tip them? And he tipped them each $400. Oh, my God. And then last night, two kids, 21, 22 years old, wearing hoodies and, you know, being skateboardy, $58 check, tipped the server $200. I happened to catch them as they were leaving. I said, hey, fellas, thank you so much. These kids are having a tough time paying their rent right now. And he goes, and the kid looked at me and he goes, I'm just in a blessed pace and I want to share. Or something oh like my God. And, and the thing that I try and teach my people, not so as a bartender, mm-hmm. I was very paternal. I would teach everything I possibly could to anybody who stepped behind the bar to work with us to understand the life philosophy that Moose and I commonly share about how to take care of guests and how to be good at what you do and not to let those negative things affect you. And I try still to share that with hourly people now as a manager but the challenge for them honestly is that they see me even though they know I completely advocate for them and they think that I'm the guy who's trying to help make sure they make money and all that stuff they still there's a disconnect because I'm not doing the job right now and so you can give them advice but they don't hear it the same way as if I'm standing right next to you and making drinks right next to you and I'm like this is what we do and this is why we do it because these people are going to give us money then they're like, we can't even argue with you. It's like full stop. Okay, we got it. But if you're not next to them, yep. And yeah. and I, I, you know, even I have the best staff ever, but there's still some of them, one or two, who are like, they they cannot let go of when somebody stiffs them. And I'm like, listen, it's gonna happen, and you have to let that go because if you keep it with you, it affects the color of how you handle the next table, and then that affects the color of the next table. And it's it's a, so some of my servers they just put the credit card slips in the book and don't even look at them. Really? Yeah, they're learning that because they don't want to be disappointed and carry that to the next table of seven or six or five. And it's a really it's a really important lesson to learn. When that happened to you, because of what the advice that Justin gave of just like I just toss it in the bucket, yeah. did you start doing that too? Then oh, immediately. 
So at the end, then you also wouldn't know if somebody gave you $400 though either. No, of course. And the, typically if somebody gave us $400, it's pretty easy to see. Yeah, fair right? enough. So it's not a credit card slip or like it's a lot of, like a, it's either a fat wad or it's hundreds. But we had a regular and he had an allergy to mustard and he would tip crazy fat all the time because he knew that moose would not let him die and he couldn't find wow. other restaurants to go to that may not be the exact story but it's basically that's lovely he would come in and he was concerned that no mustard would get anywhere near his food oh he had a true allergy he, like, like true he, apparently if it touched his skin he would die <sighs> i don't know if that's true but and so like it's so to walk into a restaurant in that situation like that's a pretty courageous thing to do honestly yeah but he's apparently he's a successful businessman he's got lots of money and and he would throw like lots of like you know he'd have fifty dollar meal and leave a five hundred dollar tip i mean but if listen i understand with dietary restrictions especially an allergy if someone is actually taking the time to listen to you and to really hear the things that you're saying and know that you mean it and you're not like you don't have disordered eating or whatever and takes the time knowing also that you're busy and sees, Oh, I know that this person then walked to the kitchen yep. and made sure that that happened. Yep. Blessing them is it, you just, you've given that customer the freedom to be able to trust that there's a restaurant they can go out to. Cause often with true, true allergies like that, you can't ever go out to eat because no. you you'll in this case and, potentially and then, die. And what happens, right? Is that Kate, because we're a tourist restaurant, so mm-hmm. we're in a, where people travel to where yeah. big cities typically, People will travel for work and they never eat outside of their home. Never. Never. But then now they're traveled, they're on a three day or five day learning something about their company. Now they know they can. have to go out to eat. And often they're so timid about it. They're like, listen, I I don't want to be a problem, but this is very important. I don't, I'm severely allergic. I will die if onions touch my body. Right. And. I'll be like, okay, so I'm going to get fresh out of this, out of the cooler, and I'm going to get fresh out of, you know, and I'm going to make sure anybody who's handling your food knows this story, you know, and I'm doing that as a manager, but I did it as an hourly as well. Sure. And you have to, because one, because you don't want somebody to die on your watch, but also because it's just the humane human thing to do. That's the thing I never, yes. I don't understand when people push back on that. I understand that stuff is irritating to have to take time as a server to go do those things. But that's your job. It's your job. Yeah. Don't want to hear it. Because, it, and especially, especially because your job involves food. It's so, not like they asked you to get a new pair of shoes and you're like, this is a restaurant. So, so let's go back for a second to talk about the, the rehearsal dinner from the other day. Yes. Right. Where he blessed you with $400. So, Are you it, hiring? It popped up kind of last minute on my radar. We knew about it, but I didn't know about it. So I didn't schedule anybody for it. So there were no servers so on? Not, but I figured it out the day before. Ooh. So I knew it was going to be super slow. So I took one guy. And I just moved him from table service to the party. And then I called in another another guy who was not working. And when they got there, I, I said, listen, I'm sorry to do this to you guys, but you're going to step into this party and you came in for this party and there's no tip. It's just your hourly. Is that normal for a buyout like that? It, it was an unusual situation. Okay, okay. Both of them, without missing a beat, they're like, sometimes it happens. not a big deal. That's lovely. There are other people, even the best people I have, will kind of roll their eyes i'm like all right but not these two guys and i felt bad and i was trying to figure out a way that i could get them 20 bucks or 25 bucks just something just anything right but i that like by by the way we operate a business i just can't do that from company sure. money i'm not and there was no way to do it and then at the end the groom was like the groom runs just, a big he must a big venue in hollywood <laughs> and when i heard him say i want to give 400 each to these guys i was like this is why i chose these two guys because they are good humans and it comes to them the right way that's right and And they were they had the best attitude initially and it blessed them without that and they and they were there still being kind not knowing that they were going to get 400 bucks okay now here's where you get to tell the uh, (laughs) beefsteak charlie's situation were you ever fired from a customer service job we know there we'll get to that story were you fired from any of no no, you weren't okay so now you said this was for not knowing what a surf and turf was well so i had never served before so and how buddy, would you know that? I, I, no training, nothing. They just brought me Threw in. you on the floor? So a buddy of mine, yes. A buddy of mine said, hey, do you want a job? We're looking for servers at my place. And I was like, okay. And and I showed up and I, I spent money on the the black pants and the white dress shirt and and the bow. I, I think they gave me the bow tie, whatever. Chris Mara, super good dude. 
he's a year older than me and I, he was 20 I'm 19 and he was a money dude he was like serving is a way to make money it's easy money you can work when you want you don't have to work when you don't want I'm like okay cool I'll do it and so, like I showed up and they're like, okay, go take care of that table. Like, not, 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 this is where the sodas are. This is not nothing. That's so dumb on their part. And it was handwritten tickets. It was not, this is 1981, 82, early 82. You wouldn't know anything. Nothing. And, and a guy, so I presented the specials, which was a seafood and steak combination, right? And the guy looked at me and said, okay, I'll have the surf and turf. But it wasn't what the special was. And I thought he wanted the special because I didn't know what Surf and Turf was. And the guy got the wrong meal and he went nuts at the manager and the manager was like, you're fired. Like literally got fired on my first table. BFD, you get the wrong meal, then get the get the right meal in five minutes or 20 minutes or whatever. Yeah, I like. He was meant to have a bad time because he wanted to have a bad possibly, time. But Gross. Yeah, but still, you know, that taught me a lesson. Right? I bet. The, but what's the lesson? That, well, I'm going to ask you, what do you think the lesson is? That you get to ask questions when you're hired to be set up for success. And if they're going to set you up for failure, that's not a great place to work. Very close. Okay. The lesson that I learned is that as a mentor, to make mm-hmm. sure that the people that work for me or around me know everything they need to know. That's right. And, you're setting them up for success. Right. Because so it's going to sound like a little condescending, but I have the intellect to see the problems coming. Right. But not every service person has that. That's right. Not everyone does. So in order to be an effective leader Mm. in any environment, whether I'm a bartender or a manager or supervisor, Mm -hmm. right, to give your people around you the skill set to know when the problems are coming makes your job easier. When I was supervising in that awful summer, right, I would have these little meetings in the middle of shift. All right, let's do this and this and this. Don't sell that item because it's going to bog down the kitchen because we're already at hour long tickets. Right. And that would be it. And a mid-shift meeting takes, you know, can be 30 seconds. Right. But it just handles so and, many and, issues. And, and then, and, and I'm like, and you guys have to have like, grab the vision, understand what is going to let you be effective at this job to get the guests in and out and 45 minutes and take good care of them and not make them be here three hours and really angry. And that right. makes your life easier. That's going to make your night better. Completely. It's going to help everybody. Completely. So I totally agree that that was not a great situation. So they did you a favor. Can you give me, there's the last question for this section. Can you give me an example of the worst customer or a story about like the worst customer interaction that you've had? Or if you can't think of one, the archetype of who is the worst customer? There's different archetypes. The worst archetype being living in and working in Hollywood for 27 years is the person who thinks that they're a celebrity who's not. Ooh, come on, John. Come on, John. It's so true. So actual celebrities, the vast majority of them are super good, kind people. Lovely. Most of them have waited tables on their way up and they're they're patient and kind and good human beings. The people who think that they're going to be celebrities think that celebrities are assholes to other people. And that's how they got ahead. Right. They behave in a way... That and do you know who I am? If I don't, if I don't recognize you, no, I don't fucking know who. you Also, are. you should never have to say that. And no, of course not. <laughs> like that, that, that's the worst archetype for sure. Have you seen that where someone has directly said to you, "Do you know who I am?" Oh yes, many times. What do you say when they say it? Uh, it depends on the it depends on the situation. I don't have a specific recollection, but I, I'm very diplomatic, and I'm like, I don't know who you are, but this is a business, and we're running around here and. I have to take care of everybody, not just you. Good for you. And if I devote all of my time to you, the other 24 people that I'm responsible for are going to get ignored. So I'm not going to do that. The posse is the second worst. What does that mean? So there are celebrities who will roll in and they have people who hang on, sycophants. What? Yes, it's so true. And the sycophants think that they can do whatever they want. The celebrity doesn't even know their sycophants are behaving like that, which is the worst. Often, I used to think that they did, and often they don't. No. And if they if they knew, found out, they would kick their ass and get them out of their crew. And what's, us- what's re- really interesting, the farther away they are from the center of the storm, right? Because usually some of these really big celebrities, usually musicians, will travel with 8 to 15 to 20 people. If, you're, if, they're, if the person is standing right next to the celebrity... They're cool. If they're standing four people away from the celebrity, you know that person is going to give you a hard time. It's 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 a very interesting thing, you know. So the thing about the Hard Rock is that we have great respect 
for the celebrity experience. We know that guests are going to get enamored when celebrities come in. We try not to treat them super special. We try to keep it net neutral, downplay it mm-hmm. um, so that that they want it to be a place to come. All of my years at Universal being a bartender, we had so many celebrities that would come often. Uh, Pink used to come. I like that a lot. And she would. She had a specific bartender she liked, Mark. She, uh, I remember Mark. Mark, the guy with the long pony. Yeah. Thing. She would come and sit, and they would sit and, for hours and talk about music. Jennifer Lovey Hewitt, when she was 16, 17 years old, would come. But as a staff people, we did not really engage them. The most fanboy I ever got over Isaac Tigret, who the founder of the Hard Rock. And I never met him for a long time. And then he came in maybe six years ago to Universal. And I was like, uh, and I don't, listen, I'm an actor. I work with celebrities all the time. I get completely unaffected. But when Isaac Tiger, when somebody told me Isaac's here, I was like, so I have this bit that I do on Facebook with my friend Wizzo, who used to be a bartender at the Hard Rock all the time. Anytime I'm doing something funny or funky or cool in my life, whoever I'm with will make it. A selfie video where I'm like, hey, Wizzo, I'm about to get on the teacups at Disneyland. Go screw yourself. So I was like, how perfect it would it be if I could get Isaac to do one of those videos? He's like eight Heineken's in. Oh, so he's having a good time. And I say, hey, listen. So already I'm fanboying. Oh, he knows. He I'm knows. Fanboy, right? Yeah. And I'm like, so I have this friend and I tell him to go screw himself. Will you help me do that? And he's like, sure. So we go over by the retail where there's a little bit less traffic. And I'm like, all right. Isaac, this is really important. This is going on my Facebook, and we don't curse on my Facebook. You have to say, go screw yourself, because I know who the dude is, right? It's it's really simple. Hey, Wizzo, I'm at the Hard Rock Wizzo. with my new friend, Isaac Tigret. And then Isaac and I are both supposed to say together, go, fu- uh, go screw yeah, yourself. Yeah, right? yeah. And Isaac basically stops me in the middle of the video, and is like, Wizzo... Nache here tells me you're a really good dude and I just want you to go fuck yourself or something to that effect. But he says fuck. And he says go fuck yourself. And I posted it anyway. I did. Of course. I was like, I'm, I'm, I was super fanboy. Yeah. And then what's crazy about that, right? Rita Gilligan, the original Hard Rock server, yeah. who is now, I think she's 80. Because um, she's worked for the, no, no, she's in her 70s because she started with the company when she's in her mid-20s. I got to meet her at a bar rocker event and um, and she, I've known her a long time, but this Wizzo thing came up, and I said, "Hey, I want this thing." And she did the exact same thing that Isaac said. Go fuck yourself. And Amazing. I, I just super super awesome. And you know, I wish I wish Hard Rock would have retained a little bit more of their fuck you. But I get it's a big giant company, and you can't, and blah yeah, blah. So but, go back. So real quick. So the you were saying you were answering the worst customers. So we have the celebrity, uh, like the person who thinks they're a celebrity, the groupies. Did you have another one? Yes. Uh, and listen, this is this is a very small number of our guests. Okay. Like I'm going to make this a, a qualifier because I don't want to think I'm lambasting mom. But there are some moms of like 12 and 13, 14 year olds who cannot shut off and they still have to be a mom and when I, and I'll say to them I'm like for the next 45 minutes you have my permission not to be a mom just sit there and let me take care of the kid and I will make sure that everything's fine and it's so funny right because most of them are like you'll see their actual like stress leave their body yeah. but every once in a while they can't right and it's yeah. very funny to me right because a 12 year old should be able to order their own food and there's so many who can't and you, and you, it comes out yeah. either when the parent is insists on ordering for them. Yeah. She's going to have, I'm like, that kid is getting ready to go to high school. So it's the parent that can't let go. Yeah, yes. And, but, it, but it shows itself even more when the little kid is out to dinner with another family. So let's say this family's more structured and, and their kid, the 13 or 12 or 13 year old knows what they want. And then they go and then, I, then you go to take the order from the other kid and the kid who's visiting and they're looking and they're lost. It's a, it's a disservice. I agree It's with a that. disservice to your kid to not give them the skill set to function when you're not there. If you apply that to operating a business, right? A good, an effective general manager or effective manager in general, the business should be able to function when without them there. there. That's right. Right. They should, people should, the people you have should be disciplined enough to do the job properly, even though you're not watching. I've worked at several places where the, we actually did better when the, that particular person wasn't there because we just knew we couldn't count on them anyway. And so when they weren't there micromanaging the stupid little shit that didn't matter, right. we actually made more money and it would be better. And that's the other side of that. Okay, well, now we're gonna move on to the good stuff. We hope you saved room for dessert.
What is the nicest thing a customer has done for you whilst you're working? A million. There's a million of them. Okay. And this is this is what this is this is will tell you who all, uh, all about who I am, right? Because I was I was struggling to find bad stories, right? But the good stories are plentiful. I'll start out with the short ones. Okay. Right? We had a thing at the Hard Rock for a long time called a Rock Shop menu. Basically, it was the stuff we sell in the store. I didn't want it to. I didn't. I never wanted it to be robotic. I wanted it to be part of my experience with the guests, right? So I would use this jo- joke very often. I would. I'd be like, "Hey guys, this is a Rock Shop menu. It's telling you what's happening over in the retail where we sell hats and T-shirts stuff. If you get over there, just remember I'm a two X and I like blue." Three times in 15 years, people bought me shirts. I'll die. For real. I fought with them to take them back. I was like, you're like I get 50% off. I don't need that, you to pay that, full that price. Was it was a, a joke. It was a joke. I was <laughs> just trying to. And I understand. Like, we have steps of service, and they want us to do the steps of service, right? But it creates a robotic, unfeeling, unconnected experience yeah, for it the does. So when you go, you have to do it this at this time and this at that time and make sure this happens at that time. I almost got fired from the Hard Rock as a bartender because we had a secret shopper, a bar that seats 24 people. We had 40 people standing around it on Halloween Horror Nights and they're all trying to get slammed before they go to Halloween Horror Nights, That's right? That's what they do. And in the middle of that, a couple sits down to have their secret shop at the bar, right? What a fucking night to have that happen. Now, let me tell you, I did every single key point of service but I didn't do them in the right order and I got a less than a 65% and they had a mandatory firing rule for anything less than a 65%. It's so annoying. Right? But it was all clerical, right? I did everything that they wanted me to do. You just didn't do it in order. I just didn't do it in the right order because it's impossible. To, it's like when, you, when, you're, when you're bartending in that environment, it's more like a rock concert than it is a restaurant. And I also have to make sure that the other 40 people are getting taken care of. That's right, right? too. And so, so I have a rule. Right when and I teach this to my people, all every other manager I've ever worked with, as a staff person or not as a staff person, has always been like, treat every guest like they're a shopper. I say treat every shopper like they're a guest. Okay, and I'm like, if you just make sure that you handle your business with every guest like they're you're like you're supposed to, mm-hmm. you won't have to worry about your shopper experience because it'll, it'll just be good. Right, and the the number one most important thing, it doesn't matter in the long term if we miss 10% of our rock shop drops. What matters is that customer says, that was a great experience and I'm coming back here. Full stop, that's it. That's yeah. the number one thing. Yeah. And that gets lost in the, in the translation from the people in corporate who make the rules yeah, they don't get that piece. They, they, but it's, not that, it's not that they don't get it, they, 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 they don't have the skill set because they're all number crunchers. Right. Right? Well. So, because the guy, so this is not a hard rock thing. This is just a corporate America. Thing. And if you miss uh, one thing on your on your shopper report, it shouldn't be a death knell for the server. Especially, I was a, I was a twenty year employee or something at right. the time, right? Still, I, I I have I had fifteen secret shops in my life, and all of them were hundred percent or not or or ninety five percent, right? And then I have one in a in a nightmare of a situation and. The DO, who I'd known for 20 years, was going to fire me because it's a rule. We didn't have a GM at the moment, so the acting G- the GM from the other cafe came in to manage this meeting, and then I brought Moose in. And I was like, listen, I need your help here because I can't defend myself because I'm crazy. I'm the criminal. I need a lawyer. And we sat down. The DO, who I'm friends with, he's like, we have to fire you. And, I'm, and Justin was like, hold up. Why do you have to fire him? And he goes, because that's what... We always have done. And Moose looked him in the eye and said, just because you do something stupid forever doesn't mean you have to continue doing it. Reed, to his credit, he was not, in my opinion, a super good general manager, but he he was like, he's like, he looked at the other guy and he's like, we cannot let this guy go. Every By every account, he's a spectacular employee and he had 40 people around the bar. What do you want him to do? Yeah. And and that's, how, and that's that was, I would have been devastated because I love working for the company. Sure. But so the nicest thing, so the they you had people buy you T-shirts. Is yeah. it, have you had any anybody else do anything nice? Oh, I, I mean, I mean, so real. I mean, honestly, like the nicest thing a guest can do is like throw money at you or to write letters to corporate or 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 that kind of thing, right? Yeah. But often people make videos. Uh, also, people will say, "Hey, you're super awesome. My daughter is having a quinceanera, and I want you to be the bartender for the quinceanera." Oh hell yeah! Getting privately hired. Can you come work 
another nice thing that happens if you're good at your job and it doesn't matter what the job is right mm-hmm. but a bartender you get to interact a lot right yeah the number of people have given me their business card and said you need to come work for me the ridiculous number it feels so nice it does feel amazing and, and i've had people come back like i was hoping you were going to call me um what's the best tip you've ever gotten well, well so oh, here so so this best tip Go coincides with the nicest thing a guest has ever done for me. So I'm working. It's Feb. All right. So let's start back. So when I was working in Hard Rock in New York in 1994, we the United States hosted the World Cup. Norway, which is not a soccer nation, qualified. These Norwegian fans traveled first to Dallas, spent a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. Their team did not score a goal, and they traveled to Pasadena, spent a bunch of money, and they came to New York and played Mexico. How do you think that turned out? Yeah, they lost, for sure. Right? They got destroyed. Yeah, I believe that. Right? Mm -hmm. So the game was an afternoon game at Giant Stadium in Jersey. And then by like 4.35 o'clock, the restaurant was full. And they were ready to drink. Not sitting. All standing in the common areas where that would be considered near the bar. It just uh, 150, 200 of them. A lot. And then a short time later, a, con- a small contingent of Mexicans showed up. And one of them was like the ambassador of the UN from mm-hmm. Mexico. And he was he was little tiny man, and he was he was probably forty five or fifty, and he was wearing a three thousand dollars suit, and he looked spectacular. And every ten minutes, but Norwegians were not talking at all; mm-hmm. they were just drinking bud, which is what Norwegians do, by the way. So they're just drinking their buds, and all for six hours, from four to ten, every fifteen minutes, from the corner where all the the Mexicans were celebrating, Viva Mexico! And then the clap, 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 right? And then all the cooks who were from Mexico would start screaming, like, and they banging pots. It was kind of cool, right? Yeah. But the Norwegians would, like, put their head Devastated. down. Devastated. Right? They got face paint on, and they're wearing their Norwegian flag, awesome. and some of them have the plastic helmets with the horns. Like, it's super cool thing, right? Yeah. 10.30, the music goes off. Dead silent in the restaurant, right? There's a little clatter from the silverware or whatever, and... The Viva Mexico guy goes, Viva Mexico! And like everybody, Viva Mexico! Right? And then it gets quiet for a second. And one of the managers runs down to turn the music back on. The guy in the middle of the stairs, uh, going up from the downstairs to the upstairs, he's wearing face paint and a mat and a, and a helmet and the horns are turned down. And he's got a beer in his hand. And he starts singing the Norwegian National Anthem. And it's a long, slow song that sounds like a funeral song. And he sings it, and it spreads through 250, 300 Norwegians, and it fills the room, fills it. And the Mexicans know that the Norwegians had didn't even score a goal in the whole World Cup. And the manager downstairs gets the music back on, and the manager upstairs is on the radio. is like, turn it off, turn it off. They turn it off, and they finish the national anthem, and they're all standing there. And the little guy, the ambassador guy, gets up on his chair, and he points to the guy, and he starts clapping. And everybody in the building who wasn't Norwegian starts clapping. And all the Norwegians tilted their beer up. They did a cheers thing. And they took a sip. And the music came back on. And I still get goosebumps telling that story. It was the most lovely expression of sportsmanship I've ever seen, ever personally in my life. Mm. And it made me start loving the World Cup. Right? I had no interest in soccer like most Mm-hmm. Americans. So then I started following the World Cup. So I decided I want to go to the 2006 World Cup after several World Cups. So it's going to be held in Germany. So I start saving money. I'm putting money away every week. I have $5,000 in the bank to go to, to go to the World Cup. I'm going by myself. Going to do the backpack thing. The tickets go on sale. FIFA sells their tickets different times of day every day so that people in different parts of the world can buy them when they're awake. It's like trying to buy tickets for Springsteen. You mm-hmm. set up the computer, you go, Got it. bink, sold yeah. out. Yeah. Right? I'm at Universal. It's pouring rain. It's a Monday night. It's me, Jameson, and Ralph. One cook and one dishwasher, and that's all who's in the building, and there were no customers. It was five, it's 10 minutes to 10. No customers for two hours, but we, by contract, had to be open until 10 o'clock. And Ralph was getting ready. He was, he was going to shut the door. Six people walk in. They sit down in Jameson's section. I make drinks and shots for them. They have a $450 check. They sit there till 1230. I tip Jameson 200 bucks on the 400, uh, the 250. And they come over to thank me for making all their shots. I was making them crazy shots, right? Every round they wanted a different crazy shot. So I'm making them crazy shots. I had been reassured that they're staying at the Hilton property so they weren't driving. I was yeah, okay, yeah. all right, we'll let them get a little ripped up. They come over to thank me for making their drinks. And I'm like, you guys are celebrating. What are you celebrating, right? And they're like, well, we just finished our tour. 
I'm like, tour? You don't look like you're in a rock band, right? Because that piqued my interest. I work for the Hard Rock. And like, no, no, we're touring the world with the World Cup. I'm like, wait, what? The World Cup, like the trophy? Yeah, we, we're touring around with the World Cup to every country, and we just finished the American leg of the tour. Aww. I'm like, I'm going to the World Cup. And the guy looks me straight in the eye, and he goes, do you have tickets? And I said, you know, sure as fuck I don't have a ticket for that, for the World Cup. Yeah. And he whipped out his business card, and he said, you do now. He was tossed, right? So you're so, like, he's not going to remember this. Right. So I get home and I send, bust out an email right away. Right. When I wake up, he had responded at 7 a.m. And he said, yep, I remember. No worries. I got you. When it gets closer, send me an email, which gave me want to go, and I'll make sure you get a ticket. But every, like, every month as it got closer, I would check in and say, hey, I'm, looks like I'm going to go to this game, but I'm not definitive yet. Is that okay? Yeah. And he's, yep, I got you. Come time. He, I go to I go to Germany with no ticket because it's not confirmed. Like, oh, John, we were we were emailing back and yeah. forth, but there was no guarantee yeah. that he was going to show up. And I went to USA Ghana in Nuremberg, Germany, with that guy with the best seats you'd ever have in a soccer Holy stadium. Holy shit! Ever. And that's the. I've had lots of lovely things happen to me. I've had people ask me to marry them, <laughs> like to to perform their wedding ceremony, Aww. which I've done multiple times in my life, but not for a guest. I only do that for friends. That thing right there was the, the tickets were expensive and if you try to scalp them which is hard to do but if you scalp the ticket of, it's two grand twenty five hundred dollars yeah. yeah. and i got to go sit with the guy who worked for fifa and he told me all about soccer and sports and that's lovely and fifa and it was cool so that was the best tip you've ever gotten that's really lovely oh sure what's the best lesson you've personally learned from having worked in customer service people are not always what they appear to be hmm. what does that mean i'm going to talk about this with the caveat that this is a broad thing and this is not specific to hard rock. This is just a broad thing. Got it. Right? There are a lot of assumptions made by people who work in the service industry that a guest is going to tip them a certain way by how they look or how they dress or how they behave. It absolutely happens. And there's code. Some people use code words. Yeah, which is gross. So I've never bought into that. I treat every single guest like I want to know them. But my favorite one of those was an experience where I had a group of eight people who were Latino, who were definitively, were no question it was they were gang members. And they, you could tell that they had never gotten good service in their life. And I was committed to making sure that their experience was as good as the next table over. And I took care of them the best way I knew how. And when, first of all, they tipped me crazy fat. And when they left, all of them were like, nobody's ever treated us like that. And I'm crying right now because I still remember that experience. These are people with teardrop tattoos. And the, all these men and two women hugged me Bless. and told me that I'm the best human. And like, it was just a remarkable experience. And, and I carry that with me every day because it's really important as a service person that you never know who you're going to wait on and, and who they are. And what, That's right. And... And it goes the same for those people with the with the soccer. We could have shut the doors, and we could have we could have said like, "Hey guys, we're, we're closing. Closed. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna get your food, but you got to get out of here in in a half an hour." We yeah. let them stay two and a half hours. Because of that, I got to go to the the World Cup. Yeah, that happened to me the other night. I was just out uh, at somewhere downtown, and like we were all all of us that worked in nightlife, and we were there celebrating my friend's birthday, and they were closing early. They didn't tell us. They just started dropping checks, and we went to the bar to get the birthday girl something to drink, and they were like, we're closed. And we were like, oh, well, we didn't know. Can we get the birthday girl something? And they were like, absolutely not. And then the someone with us was like, I will tip you the cost of the bill if, if we can just get the, her something to drink. No. And I was just like, wow, it's really interesting. It's really interesting interesting when people don't handle things like that well yeah. it makes such I, I a difference don't allow it. it's not so, good so people will make reservations past they'll make a reservation for like the last 15 minutes and i will hold for them to 15 minutes after we close that's right that's what you do i, I have i i and i tell the cooks i'm like sorry i know that you guys want to go home clean up everyone does home, yeah but these people are counting on us and maybe they're stuck in traffic or maybe they're lost or yeah they, maybe they don't speak english because they're visiting and they don't know where we're at we're living a, we're working a big i don't know what's happening with them and so i'm going to give them time that's right to figure it out what's lovely about that is that my staff knows that that comes from a pure place and they will and they do all it all embrace it yeah that's great what's one piece of advice you would give to customers who interact with customer service workers just be kind i like that just be kind. Well, understand that not every 
your expectations and the reality may not match up and that not, not, that situation might be beyond the control of the person that you're interacting with. That's right. How can people get in touch with you, John? Can they see you on anything now? And which Hard Rock are you currently at? Now I can say a simple wish, I looked it up as we were chatting, is now available on Hulu, Amazon, Stars, and Showtime. So that's, you know, y'all should go watch that movie because you'll get to see John's debut. And yeah, but how can people get in touch with you? Where are you? So I have a website. It's uh, John on Film, J-O-H-N on Film.com. Um, it makes me sound like I wanted to be an authority on film, which is a little cocky but it's just about me literally being on film okay so that's Uh, your website that's my website and that just has my stuff there and you can find ways to contact me there if you want to okay um yeah and uh which hard rock are you currently at can they see you i work at the hollywood boulevard location on hollywood boulevard okay so they can come bother you there yeah they can come and bother me okay Um, i go by matcha so if you come in you gotta ask for matcha hey is matcha here to say Um, Well, folks, we're going to drop your checks now. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help us out here at Service from Hell, we'd love to have you subscribe, rate, and or review the show wherever you listen. It will help us reach more people that need to be schooled on the art of being kind and will be catharsis for those of us still working in the industry. If you want to get in touch with here at Service from Hell directly, send us your receipts to servicefromhellpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Remember, if you can't afford to tip, you can't afford to go out. So don't be garbage and be good to people. It's easier that way. Thanks, John. This was such a good, I mean, my God, I want a job at Hard Rock, are you hiring? Like that was such a good plug for them. They sound like the best. I worked for them so briefly that I feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you up for a job. I loved it. And yeah. When we're hiring, I'll hire you. Okay. Thanks, John. That's on record, folks. You heard it here. Uh, thank you so much for listening, folks. Good night. Well, thank you folks so much for listening. That's going to do it for us here at Service from Hell with our John Williams two-part series. We wanted to give him the chance to tell his story. So here you have it here. And this was John's very first long-form interview. So well done, John. And we will be back next week. Thank you folks so much for listening. Good night. Good night.